Welcome to this week of Missouri Politics. Legislative session has ended. That means the campaign time has started. But first, we'll take a look at what happened the last five and a half months. And we are here with the Senator Brian Williams from St. Louis. You probably, I don't think there's any problem. You definitely had the largest legislative accomplishment coming out of session, a Republican supermajority, a state that is, uh, that is as red as it can be, redder it's ever been. You went to the Missouri Senate and you passed out of the Missouri General Assembly a police reform bill. Tell folks how you did it. Well, first, Scott, thank you for having me on. And, and again, you know, um, I always make it very clear, you know, George Floyd could have easily been me. And that was my, my primary uh, focus on why I decided to p pursue police reform and arguably probably one of the most difficult pieces of legislation to get through uh, a supermajority legislature. Uh, we're proud of the legislation and uh, we're just glad we got it done. And, and we had a team of folks that, that were very helpful in the process. And I think it's important when you talk about what you did here, you had to go all over the state. You got the sheriffs on board, you got police chiefs on board, you got folks on board saying that, you know, there are some things that we could do better to train our folks. And that was no small accomplishment. No, uh, we went all throughout the entire state. Uh, Springfield, mm -hmm. uh, clearly Jefferson City. We went to, uh, you know, various parts of, of St. Louis, uh, Columbia. And we talked to not only law enforcement, but activists, advocates. Yeah. And, and we wanted to know what did they think about um, how do we move forward. And creating that stakeholder group, we were able to come up with some very strong policies arguably uh, one of the uh, strongest now criminal justice reform packages in the history of the state. You know, it's an interesting thing, it, you know, being, it seems like we live in an age where say the craziest thing you can, then say something crazier and you get more Twitter likes or Facebook retweets or whatever. But when you can take an activist and convince them that you're serious and have them sit on a table with a sheriff, that is a, that's a special accomplishment that you got to feel very good about leaving session. Well, and, and Scott, you know, we have to get back to, to what's the point of all yeah. of this. You know, I remember being that 18-year-old that kid in Ferguson, driving around, uh, clearly while black, having my constitutional rights violated and handcuffed on the sidewalk. So, you know, uh, understanding that there is a subculture of bad police officers out there, um, I, I, I experienced that firsthand. And, and that's, you know, that, that's what contributes to activism, that's what contributes to advocacy, but also thoughtful police officers that understand that they do need to do better in their profession. You know, it's an interesting thing. I was raised in the Boot Hill, uh, a very fortunate uh, family. Um, it was an interesting thing that, to look back and when, you, when you're in St. Louis some, you get to see thousands of Missouri citizens out protesting something. And you know, everybody says, well, maybe they don't protest in my district or wherever, but those are Mike Parsons constituents. Those are Dave Schatz's and Rob Escobar's constituents as well. And when they're out in the streets, it's, this is the first time, whether you agree or wh whether you're a radical, whether you're a moderate, whether you see a problem, whether you don't, that many Missourians out protesting something, this is the first thing in the really eight years since the activism has been kind of at the forefront of St. Louis, this is the first time people are gonna say, nah, maybe I don't agree with you. Maybe I don't agree with everything you say, but I hear you. And I think that's such an, uh, an important thing for people to at least say that somebody hears them and is willing to do the work you've done to show that we hear where you're coming from. Well, first, it requires a, a all-hands-on-deck approach. And that's something that we were proud of. First, I want to just make it clear, I'm very proud of my caucus, uh, who was very supportive in getting us across the finish line. Uh, we had bipartisan support. Uh, my colleague, Senator Luke DeMeyer, stepped up and was a great partner through this process. 
uh, Representative Racine Arderich, who was uh, in the House as a Democrat, and then Representative Shamed Dogan, a Republican, uh, all came together and recognized that we needed to do something to ensure that there's police accountability in Missouri. So, I mean, this is an unprecedented coalition that we've created, uh, and, and I'm just so grateful for uh, the, the House and Senate uh, stepping up and getting us across the finish line. You know, there's a buzz around right now the St. Louis business community about maybe concerned about the direction of the state. And obviously, if you're in St. Louis, you know, police reform and issues like this are, are a business issue also. A CEO has to, has to look at, when I mean, you're looking at a Republican that hears you and actually cares about not Twitter likes or the crazies, but cares about practical things to recruit young programmers like they need at Bayer and, and like they need at Enterprise. Tony Luchtemeyer is a name that deserves a lot of credit here, I think. Well, yes, and I mean, I spoke with the business community about this. I mean, think about it, what this bill does. I mean, not only does it ban chokeholds and ensure that bad police officers aren't bouncing around, but I mean, we've added language to address expungement. Now, uh, folks who may have made a, a mistake in their life, they can have their records expunged in three years after uh, being removed from probation for a felony and, and one year for a misdemeanor. I mean, those are things that's going to get folks not only uh, quality uh, jobs, but get their records expunged to where they don't have a mistake following them for the rest You're of their lives. You're going to give folks a fair chance to be the citizens that everybody else expects them to be, you know, with both hands tied behind their back. It is a, is a tremendous thing, and it's going, to be it's going to be enjoyable to watch all the Missourians to get that second chance to, to move forward because of this law. Let's talk about a, a day that maybe didn't move forward like you thought. Last day of session ended with Senator Rizzo coming out and announcing that Senate was over. It ended with the Senate Minority Leader making the motion to adjourn. Uh, I guess the first question I would have is, he told me in a column I wrote for the, on the, for the Missouri Times that the, it was over the FRA, whether the, the money that Missourians pay in for their federal, to the federal government, they have to have a bill passed to send it back so your hospitals can operate. That bill had some uh, abortion language on it. They, that was promised he wouldn't have it. He says there will be an FRA passed cleanly with Democrat support, or there'll be what he called a dirty FRA with some, with some amendments, amendments added to it that'll be over Democrats. Do you stand by the floor leader's uh, take on it? Well, one, um, I gotta be clear though, you know, we're very lucky to have a, a leader in uh, John Rizzo. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a great floor leader. And on top of that, um, you know, I think that he, he, he addressed some things that were really important. You know, uh, since I've gotten to the Senate, um, I've always believed that senators should be principled. Uh, they should maintain a high level of integrity. And uh, JJ's been able to do that. So, you know, whenever he addressed concerns around uh, things that may not have been done uh, the right way in the Senate, it's important to listen. And uh, I, we all believe uh, strongly that there should be a clean FRA bill. And if that bill does have a language uh, that has not historically or traditionally, or uh, something that's going to be uh, infringing on um, folks' reproductive health rights, um, I'm going to be strongly opposed to it. Let's talk about. Um how things, uh, when you talk about the way things would move forward here, uh, their FRA has pro-life language. I, I think that the voters elect a pro-life supermajority every time they're asked recently. It, what would be the problem if you put Senator Whelan's language on the FRA? I assume that the state would ask for a waiver. I assume the Biden administration would say no. The state would say, we're going to sue you. Eric Schmidt would have no problem taking the state's side in this. And the, the Justice Department would probably, would probably say, take the other side very gladly and they lose in court three years from now. What, what would be the problem with just letting this move forward and just seeing how the process unfolds? Well, I'll tell you this, we have one job and that's to uphold the, our oath to the Constitution. And most importantly, the will of the people. Uh, we've already punted a very important issue, Medicaid expansion, to the courts. 
uh, last time I checked, it's our job as a legislature to, to not only make the laws, but, but ensure that those laws go into place, not judges. So uh, I hope that we do the right thing and, and uh, get a clean FRA bill passed and not uh, force the courts to have to be legislators. Let's talk about uh, a, a group that approves some of these judges that these uh, bills may be in front of the United States Senate. Senator Blunt has decided he's not going to run for re-election, created an upheaval in Missouri politics, on the Republican side for sure. On the Democrat side, Senator Sifton, who's been rumored for a statewide campaign many times, have said, I'm running. But there's another probably five, six candidates that nobody discusses this race in the Democrat side without mentioning potential candidates, and one of them is obviously Senator Brian Williams from St. Louis. Have you thought about the race? I mean, I know people come to you and ask you to consider it. Where are you at in that process? Well, I'll tell you this, um, I've, I've spent the last year thinking about criminal justice reform, police reform, and how do we ensure that black lives matter in the state of Missouri. So I, I haven't had a chance to really focus on the next election cycle, but I will tell you this, um, I, I think it's imperative that we as, as Democrats not sit on the sideline and potentially risk having uh, the extreme uh, of, of the Republican Party potentially represent us in Washington. And we've seen what happened on January 6th. Uh, when we have extreme elected officials in uh, the U.S. Senate. So uh, we'll be watching it, and clearly uh, we'll do everything that we can to ensure that uh, our party is, uh, is as strong as possible next election cycle. I've had serious people in the Democratic Party tell me they've reached out to you and asked you to consider running. I'm not wrong. They're not, they're not, they're not incorrect. They have, people have came, correct? Yeah, people have came, and, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. And, and again, you know, uh, one thing I'll tell you, um, my mom, uh, she's been very successful because she's never turned down an opportunity for promotions, but she's always made sure she was in a position to deserve it. Let's talk about a promotion that finally happened. I've been a little outspoken myself. This, this, I guess it's coming next month now. Bush Stadium, the greatest cathedral mankind's ever built, will be fully open to the public. Mayor Tashara Jones has finally thrown the shackles off of that tremendous building. What do you think? Well, I'll tell you this, um, I'm a huge Cardinals fan and, and I'm looking forward to a, a full stadium and us getting back to, to normalcy. And, and also, I'm super excited for the new mayor. Uh, I think she has potential to do a, a great job and uh, you know we'll be doing everything we can on iron to support her. You mentioned Cinder Rizzo. I don't think the stadium in his district was really impacted by uh, any of the, of the restrictions, correct? I mean, how many people actually go to the games in Kaufman anyway, right? Well, I'll tell you what, probably not many as a Cardinals fan, but, <laughs> but you know, um, I, I love our people on the Kansas City side. Uh, clearly, you know, they, they do have a rising star in the Chiefs, but maybe the Royals will catch up. <laughs> Senator Williams, congratulations and thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you, Scott. We'll be right back. We have David Barklage on the show along with the first go to showmissouri.com, Putnam County, right up on the Iowa line in north central Missouri. Good folks. We had a great time up there. Go to showmissouri.com, History Missouri, one county time this week in Putnam County. We'll be right back after this. All across Missouri, our new car and truck dealers are building strong local economies. When you buy a car or truck in Missouri, you're helping to support over 20,000 Missouri families who rely on the auto industry for good-paying local jobs. You're also helping fund our communities, schools, first responders, and our roads because dealers generate millions of dollars in tax revenue. Missouri's automobile dealers have been the foundation of our communities for generations and for generations to come. The Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, the heart of Missouri. For more than a century, the St. Louis Carpenters Union has shaped our communities. Through trusted alliances, we deliver skilled professional craftspeople while our business partners provide the kind of quality jobs that keep our economy humming. It's a blueprint that has worked since 1882. 
Turning Missouri into a right-to-work state stalls progress, wipes out jobs, and kills momentum. Right-to-work is wrong for everyone. Let's keep Missouri moving forward. Visit carpdc.org to learn more. Your energy needs are changing. That's why at Ameren, Missouri, we're not waiting on the future. We're building it with the Smart Energy Plan, advancing thousands of projects across the state, helping reduce emissions through cleaner energy sources, boost reliability with self-healing equipment, and better withstand storms with new composite poles. Moving Missouri forward and bringing us all a little closer together. That's energy at work. Welcome back to Week in Missouri Politics. The Dean of the Missouri Republican Party, David Barclays. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, sir. You have a tie on today. Now you're more loosely uh, unbuttoned shirt. I remembered to come on time. That's why this time. Joe Patterson, former head of the St. Louis County Police Union. Welcome back to the show, sir. Thanks for having me, Scott. Representative Rasheen Aldridge, friend of the show. Welcome back, sir. Glad to be back. And Representative Joe Dahl, first time on the show from here in the Richmond Heights, Brentwood area, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Happy Took, to be here. Uh, Gina Mitten seat, correct? That's right. That's exactly right. Thank you for joining us. Let me start off. You are the person that would know about health care more than anybody else here. The FRA has is, is kind of been the talk of the end of session. It is essentially somehow that Missouri folks send money to Washington. They have to pass a law to get all that money back so every hospital can operate. Tell me where I'm wrong. So you're not wrong, but basically what happens is if you're a medical provider in Missouri that accepts Medicaid, you pay a, basically a, a, a fee to, to do that, to operate in Missouri. That fee then gets matched by the feds and comes back to Missouri to help pay for Medicaid. Almost $2 billion, correct? Right, a quarter so of the like funding for Medicaid. Real money. If you're watching this in West Plains, the hospital shuts it down without this money. Absolutely. So, David Barclays, this year, that usually just goes through. It's usually yes. that recently Republicans started doing it annually. And now it's become a leverage point every year in the Senate. Uh, the House sent a clean one over. Mm -hmm. Then the Senate uh, added a, a pro-life amendment by a person who, it's always tough for Senate leadership when somebody that's principled and is respected like Paul Whelan puts something that he yes. truly believes in. They give him a wide berth. He put the amendment on the FRA. The Democrats were apparently told it would come off. What happens? Well, a couple things. One, the timing of it. Because the timing was so late and I think session sort of restarting and and just everything that's happened in the last year delayed it to where it was vulnerable to parliamentary maneuvers and so one that was problematic Two, remember that you know pro-life uh, you've got different groups and different voices there and so at the end you had different voices demanding different things making it mm -hmm. even more complex and then you had the fundamental split in the senate that had been sort of making things even harder so i think in any normal time i think in any time you give them a pause they will they will agree on a language they can come back in a special and pass it i actually have fairly good hope when you're separate all the other issues out and you actually give something time the deliberative body of the senate normally can come through and make a decision Representative Aldridge, you had to think it was awesome though all <laughs> session you come here you get very few wins cinder rizzo comes up and says this is over. Session's done. I'm sorry. Here's why. But we're done. If you're a House Democrat, it'd be like, JJ. You know, it, it was about time, I think, that the House Democrats finally showed that we're not a force to be pushed over. You know, you get you to go. a point that, you know, your word is everything in this building. We sent over a clean FRA. I understand some language to, you know, people on party lines. We will always try to put that in. But at the end of session, where there was negotiations worked out and then, like, the Senate just shut down was crazy. And then we had Representative uh, Don, you know, do a Rule 81 that was going to kill every Senate bill. I was like, you know what? If less bad stuff's about to pass on the last day, you wrote why, nine. Not? why not? <laughs> you're, uh, you're a leader, Representative Quaid from Springfield. Uh, I do think this session, a couple different times, she kind of announced herself as the Republican Party 
obviously has some splits in it, mm -hmm. and she's taking advantage of it to make sure the House Democrats are going to be a force to be heard from. Not just uh, as you can count, a, we're definitely going to vote for whatever we think is good for the state. Got to come earn our vote. I think that is an. She took an important step that maybe has been missing lately and really made herself uh, a real seat at the table. I agree. I think if you look at uh, the passage of the PDMP or you look at the passage yep. of the gas tax, it took for House Dems to help get that past the finish line. Mm -hmm. And she's really, uh, I mean, she's a phenomenal leader. Glad to serve under her. And she was able to see that, you know, their boat is not fully crafted. We need to, like, take our opportunity and, and show that we're forced to be reckoned with. David Barclays of the old Polk County Sheriff Mike Parsons just come in, issue a very strict call that lets them rule these amendments out of order? Does he come in and, and promulgate a rule that helps with Senator Whelan's concern? Does the governor come in and clean this up for the Senate? I, I think the governor is more collaborative, so I think rather than dictating, the governor will work with the elements of the Senate because the governor can. Mm -hmm. uh, he can reach out to each of them individually and help bring them together. I think that's what will be in the end the successful formula here. Senator Hageman has a lot of credibility. He voted for the, well, he did vote for the uh, pro-life language. He also voted for clean FRAs. I think that's an interesting thing. I think that uh, the governor's relationship with Senator Eichel can be underrated sometimes. Look, I think the Senate is more divided by personalities than ideology. To that extent, there's always hope when the space between ideology is small and the space between personalities is great. Personalities come and go. Ideology is where you have to focus. Give me, give me the prediction here. Does a clean FRA move out in a special session? The House would do it. I'm not sure what the Senate would do. Well, give me now. You got to give me the prediction now. I don't think so. I think it, I, I wanted to. It, you know, you're talking about thousands of Missourians that need this funding, but I, I hope that we can put the politics aside and get one cleaned up. As the person that actually knows what the FRA does, does a clean FRA come out? I think it does. What do you think, David Barker? Does a clean FRA come out? Joe Patterson, what do you think? They come I, together at the end of the day? I think at the end of the day, they come together and have compromise. Let's talk about a bill that definitely took some compromise. That was the Police Officers' Bill of Rights. That's you correct. were very heavily involved in negotiating and monitoring that bill. Uh, it was, uh, we had Brian Williams on, who mm -hmm. did, a, I thought, a tremendous job passing a piece of legislation that's important to every, not just an activist, not just police officers, but every CEO in the state. You come back at the same session, I think it, it, it kind of shows the dexterity of the state with the Officers' Bill of Rights. Tell folks what's in that Police Officers' Bill of Rights. So basically the Police Officer Bill of Rights sets up certain rights for police officers in internal affairs investigations. What it does is it levels the playing field between the employer and the employee. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very important piece of legislation we've been working on for a better part of a decade. And I, what I want to point out is that we worked with Senator Williams on police reform, sure. and we got a Police Officer Bill of Rights passed at the same time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's exceptional. And on top and of your, that- And uh, your colleagues in Kansas City have uh, a residency requirement that was lifted, just loosened a little bit where folks in Kansas City, if you're a police officer, you can live, was it 30 miles from, from the headquarters? That's now? right. Which that's something that affects the quality of life and how many officers you can get, right? It does. And it, what it also does, police recruiting is very difficult right now. Yeah. And what it also does is it expands the pool of possible applicants to join the Kansas City Police Department. We did the same thing for St. Louis last year. My department, St. Louis County Police, has never had residency, and we always have a, an easier time attracting recruits. Does that make a difference whether when you're trying to recruit someone, how important is restricting where they can live or, or making it a little looser? Well, it's about freedom. People should be able to live wherever they want to. You don't have to necessarily live in the community to necessarily be invested in it. I, I, I worked in Jennings for two and a half years, and I lived 30 miles away from there, and it was sure. a long commute, but I wasn't any less in, invested in the community. It was, a, it was my second home. Representative Aldridge, there was some wins that I think you can walk out of the session feeling good about. I watched the press conference with uh, Leader Quaid. There were some things that she was proud of. Yeah. What were they? 
I think uh, ultimately the the biggest historic win was just the one we was talking about, uh, Senate Bill 60, with the negotiation of Senator Brian Williams coming to the table with Senator Luther Meyer. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing I learned in this bill, nothing is perfect. Uh, relationships sure. matter, and you have to be able to come to a compromise. And they were able to come to a compromise where there's some things, again, that, like I said, I don't agree with, but we are uh, just a couple weeks after the death of George Floyd when there was a ruling in his death. And Missouri is actually leading the way with banning chokeholds, talking about a use of force database. I think these components are really helpful to making sure that we have strong communities that can build relationships with law enforcement. Because we know that in the African-American community, there is a distrust. And I think this was a major win that Missouri can say we are one of the first to be able to leading the way when it comes to criminal justice reform. President Dahl, your first legislative session. Yep. Uh, I'm sure every, I would say it was unique, but not really, they're all kind of unique anymore. <laughs> I'm sure that's it's true. A, it's an odd part, I think the term was really setting in. What was your impression? What's something you left the building feeling good about? Well, I think we had some good healthcare um, legislation go through. We had a mental health parity bill that passed that will um, improve coverage for mental health issues, which we know especially this year are, are rampant. Sure. Um, and also, um, I feel good about the gas tax. As someone that drives on the Missouri roads back and forth to Jeff City, we know the roads are in bad shape, and, and I think it's a good thing that we're going to make those roads better for everyone driving through Missouri. You hear Republicans talk about, well, you should run it like a business. Well, until it's time to run it like a business, right? I own businesses, and I did invest in them. Right. I got a big F-150, you can't miss it. It does now fit in the Jeff City parking garage, appreciate that. <laughs> but before it didn't, and if you, the 1992 model of that truck, the last time there was a major uh, transportation incre debt gas increase, there, it drives probably half the mileage per, per gallon that this one does. Right. My new one. There, people have more fuel-efficient cars. You buy fewer gallons of gas, so you're probably paying what you paid in 92, because of the fuel efficiency, you're paying a little more per gallon, but you drive a lot less gallons. If you're going to have something, you have to invest in it. So Absolutely. It and if you're really concerned about the increase, you can save your receipts and, and get your money back. Good Lord, I would love to be organized. <laughs> David Barclay, you were intimately involved in probably the biggest part. I think if you're a Republican and you talk about bills that you really walk out and are thrilled with, if you're especially a St. Louis or a Kansas City Republican, you're going to talk about the education reform piece. Yeah. So, you know, I think the key there is establishing a trend line. We have had two groups, uh, and, and I, I, I look at it this way, is the establishment, you know, has had the agenda. They have really controlled the agenda. They have had the support of the legislature because they educate our children. I think their problem has been is their refusal to look at kinds of changes to, to be able to negotiate it. And they have put a stop to almost everything for any reason. And I think what happened now is you started to see cracks forcing them to the table to actually have meaningful discussions about reform. I think, unfortunately, the reformers have few, tool, few tools that they're looking at, but they have sort of fixed on them. And once we get past addressing charter schools and some of those things, then I think we really get to a meaningful discussion. And mark my words, you're going to see Carla Esslinger really come to the head of that over the next few years. And I don't think the discussion is what the establishment think it's going to be or with the reformers. I, I think truly the legislature, when they decide to tell the lobbyists to go take a hike and they start talking about our kids, how they can be helped the best, I think that's when we see real substantive change in education. And that's going to be the great day. But I think to, this session was the beginning of maybe that change of an open dialogue between all parties. You know, is it Senator Brown's uh, uh, services this past week? He passed uh, mm -hmm. uh, week before last. But he had, uh, and I was thinking about Webster, Mathis, and Scott, and then it kind of goes to Richard and Keogh and Wasson and Brown. Yeah. And the, the person that really has the potential to fit that is Carl Esslinger. Yeah. She's tough, smart, knows what she's talking about. Very, I mean, she, I would say whichever you are, she's not going to be a zealot for either side. And it, it is interesting to me. The question I would leave you with, though, 
they did a deal to give the rural guys 40% on transportation. As a kid that rode the Yellow Dog 45 minutes yeah, one yeah. way in West Butler County, are the city folks going to pencil whip us out of that? I don't think so. And again, I think the we'll reformists see. needed a win to have a seat at the table to talk going forward in the future to find a balance for education. I don't think it's in the good interest of Republicans or Democrats to have a special interest control the entire debate. As a resident hillbilly, we'll be keeping an eye on your city slickers with your <laughs> slick pencils. Remember where I came uh, from. Well, let's talk about let's talk about a guy that came from your neck of the woods. Uh, Representative Aldridge, uh, Mark McCloskey, oh. guy that had the machine gun waving around. Uh, he uh, He's running for U.S. Senate. Uh, you had to have a little bit of a smile on your face. I feel like week. last time I was on the show, we were just talking about the the, the Eric's, the, the two Eric's <laughs> running. And now here we are with McCloskey. I don't think I got enough room for this popcorn and just like to keep eating. It, it, it's, um, the Republican side is really showing uh the, the party that they are wanting to be. Um, you have McCloskey's that's running. If you've seen his TV ad, it was, it was so divisive. It's so... Uh, he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, but it's not, it's not real conversations of, regardless of what party, you know, you're on, like, real conversations of how you're going to move the state forward. It's all rhetoric right now. And I guess that's what you got primaries for, to enjoy the fight. David Barclay, I mean, I, you can see this guy running a mile away. People forget, though. I, look, I think he's going to do well. There's people I that really like him. Running for office is extremely hard. And there's going to be some questions. It's interesting to me, the person, in my view, this is the one person that runs that probably hurt Eric Greitens. Everybody else that runs Absolutely. probably helps him. This guy hurts him, but, but you, you would attack him for being a Democrat, but how does Eric Greitens attack somebody for being a Democrat? He can't. And in fact, this guy is Greitens' worst nightmare. Yeah. Greitens sat in a stage filled with a Gatling gun. This guy actually picked up a weapon when he thought his house <laughs> was being done. You got real versus fake in that space. The real will win every time. Greitens, this was the end of him in this race by McCloskey putting his stake down. Joe Patterson, I mean, it. you have members that are Greitens supporters. You all have members that are supporters of Eric Schmidt, the top law enforcement official in the state. But I mean, there are there is a chunk of this state that Martin McCloskey identifies with. There are, but what I think was most funny about his ad was that he's wearing a flannel shirt and blue jeans <laughs> in front of a tractor when we all know he wears pink polos and chinos in his free time. So it was very fake. It's not real. Uh, it has a little bit of the Eric Greitens vibe. I think he steals votes from Eric as well, and I, I'm, we're going to support Schmidt, and we're all in David, do you think he should have went, just went Trump and said, yeah, I live in a big house? I'm the man. I think he will. I think we're going to probably yeah. see a lot of that house in his commercials. I got all this, but God called me to run. Donald I've got Trump a weapon, came down a gold ready escalator. To, ready to, to defend Missouri. I mean, why didn't he slide down that gold banister in his house and say, I'm running. You're right. I'm rich. It may just come. He's going to probably watch this, and that'll be in his next ad. Yeah. I'm sure he rented the tractor <laughs> in the uh, barn. It's next to his house. Right next to the <laughs> that yard is big enough that it he is. can have a tractor. I've seen it personally. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, you, on your side, you have Scott Sifton running, someone from St. Louis. Yep. You have people talking to Brian Williams. You have folks that have mentioned Crystal Quaid. Uh, Quentin Lucas has actually kicked the can on a little bit. Yep. And former Governor Nixon, uh, who's, if he's not a constituent, he's pretty close, right? What do you th who, I think if it's Greitens, there's a chance to win that race for a Democrat, right? I, I sure hope so. You got a favorite yet? I do not have a favorite what's, yet. What, I got to wait and see who all, who all puts their names. But what would be something you'd look for before you picked? Someone that can win. What do you think? How do you pick? Someone that can win, but that speaks to kind of that reformist of the party. I've got to win the race to be off the air in a minute. So who won the week? Uh, St. Louis Cardinals won the week, going to full capacity. Yes. Who won the week? I'm going to say the uh, House and Senate Democrats passing PDMP and the gas tax couldn't have been done without us, and that doesn't happen very often. And making the motion to adjourn. That's a little bit. Yep, there you go. The week. Senator Brian Williams worked with the police to do police reform. He's it's a tremendous effort. I mean, it, it was the most impressive legislating I've done, being willing to compromise and bring people to the table who don't come to any other table. I thought he did a heck of a job. And Tony Luktemeyer deserves a shout out too on that. I agree. Yeah. One the week. Yeah. Brian is a very good pick. I'm going to pick Dean Plogger. He's the newest member yeah. of leadership. 
he was instrumental in pulling legislation together. And, you know, look, he stepped back on education form, which he wasn't a huge supporter to make it happen for the speaker. And then he pushed in on other things to make it happen. It showed that he was sort of above his own ideology to make the body work. And he, I think he won accolades in the House and Senate. So I think the newest member of leadership is well on his way to succeed. He went from a, a guy in the House and a guy that was maybe in that second tier of state leaders. He moved himself that last week of session to the front table of state. And there's leaders. no book to tell you how to do it. Yeah. I'm going to say the new mayor of St. Louis, Tashar Jones, she's broke the shackles on the Lord's Cathedral of Bush Stadium. It was the right move, and she should be lauded for her efforts. Now we also have to work together to make sure never again, right? Well, hope you will not make that vow, and we will see you next week on This Week in Politics. This Week in Missouri Politics, sponsored by the Missouri Association of Career Fire Protection Districts, Spire, and Sterling Bank.